Welcome to Southside Community Church. Enjoy our Sunday morning message. So today is part two of the gospel. Last week, uh, Greg did a lecture style um, on the overview of the gospel, and that was really an incredible uh, lecture. If you have time, I would recommend that you go back and you listen to Greg's message from last week. Um, but he talked about our three words that we build our program or programming around here at Southside, and it's member, neighbor, and guide. <clears throat> and when we focus on the gospel, on evangelism, we're looking at the word neighbor. Neighbor is us relating to the people outside of our church community. Us relating to non-believers here in Worcester and in Wayne County. Um, relating to people who have not yet submitted their life to Jesus. And so we want to be um, good neighbors. As a church, one of our core convictions is that we're supposed to be viewed as the best neighbors around. We're supposed to be good neighbors to Worcester and to Wayne County by how we act and by who we are and by how we treat the people around us. If a non-believer talks about a Christian, what they're supposed to say is they are really good neighbors. If you live in a neighborhood, your neighbors are supposed to see you as good neighbors. That's the goal, is that when they think about you, they have a positive thought about who you are. And so that's what we want to be. We want to be good neighbors to the surrounding city and to the county. And then there's just a little bit, a little bit of relational awkwardness that we turn up by being Christians. And it's the one thing that differentiates us from the rest of the world. And it's that we believe that the only way to salvation is to believe in the God-man Jesus who died and was resurrected on our behalf. And so, one of our primary responsibilities of being a good neighbor is to live and speak the gospel to an unbelieving world. One of our primary responsibilities to being a good neighbor is to live and speak the gospel to an unbelieving world. And now, like I said, if you want an overview, a big overview of what that means, the gospel, I would go back and listen to Greg's message from last week. But essentially, the gospel is the good news that Jesus Christ died, was risen on your behalf for your salvation. And so, um, I want to dive deeper into two aspects of evangelism that I think are equally important for us to grasp, for us to be good neighbors. Um, and that's our role, what our role as believers looks like in evangelism, and then what God's role looks like. Um, and these are two sides of the same coin. When we have our role and God's role in anything um, in this world, what we call that in Christianity is it's cooperation. It's, it's when we partner with God in what He's already doing. So the goal as Christians is that we cooperate with the way that God's already moving. We're not jump-starting a movement. God's already started a movement, and we get to join Him with it. And so, when, when we partner with God in the ways um, that He's already wooing and He's already drawing people in, when we step into that partnership in evangelism, then there is power for people to be saved. And this is Romans 1.16. It's that... Uh, the gospel is the power of God 
unto salvation. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And so we step into partnership in evangelism, and in that, there is the power of God for those to be saved. And so the hope for today's message is to embolden you, to enliven you, to help you to proclaim the gospel in your life to the people that you're around pretty regularly, and in that, to release the pressure valve so that you are able to share Jesus without any expectation of outcomes and without any attachments to your performance. And so that's the hope, that you're able to share boldly without any attachment to the finished work. Sharing with trust in God that He is the one who does the heavy lifting. And I think that's really the only way that we can have sustained evangelism at Southside. And Greg talked uh, late last year, or middle of last year, that we need to get our evangelistic edge as a church. And the only way for us to have sustained evangelism and not a flash in the pan is if we are depending on God the whole time. If we start our own man-made movements in evangelism, it's going to fizzle. And you're going to burn out. And you're going to hate doing it. And that's just what happens. When you try to do God's work in your own power, you're going to hate it. Because it's impossible without God. And so I want to focus just a few minutes on the Gospel being an honor for us as believers. The Gospel being an honor. When I say honor, what I mean is that Jesus has trusted you with the the task of disciple making. If you are a believer, Jesus has trusted you with with the task of disciple making. This is the last thing that He said to the disciples before His ascension. And it's what we know as the Great Commission. It's what every Jesus-centered church should be all about. Everything should be surrounded about the Great Commission, which is to go and make disciples among the nations. And so it's honor because Jesus bestows it to you. He gives you the honor of the task of disciple-making. And in any honor... Attached to the honor is almost always a weight. And I really wrestled with the word that I wanted to use here in this. It's almost like a bellowing in my soul of what it feels like to want to share the gospel with people, to feel like I want my friends and unbelievers to know who Jesus is. And it's heavy alongside. And so I chose honor instead of burden because burden has a negative connotation. But honor is positive. But many times when you're given the the honor of a task, there's a weight that comes alongside the honor. You know, if you're a CEO, that's one of the best honors you can have in a company. But there is an extreme weight to being a CEO. The entire company is, is surrounded around your leadership. You know, I'm a father to a little girl. The best honor... And there is weight every minute of every day to being dad to my daughter. I get to coach high school girls basketball 
which is one of the greatest honors of my life. And I have 20 teenage girls who are looking to me for direction at every moment of every practice and of every game. And so it's an honor to be their coach. And there's a weight attached. And the gospel is an honor as well. And, and, and there's a weight. The honor is that you are given the best message in the world. That if you're a Christian, you believe that the message is the power of God unto salvation. That's an honor. And then there's a weight. Because this is the part that we don't necessarily love to think about. But we also believe if someone doesn't surrender their life to Jesus and follow Him, they cannot be saved. And that's heavy. That's a heavy thing to think about. There's a weight. And most people that I've talked to in my life who want to, evan- who want to share Jesus feel the same way. We want our non-believing friends to know Jesus. You know, who doesn't want that, right? We want our family and co-workers to come to saving faith. But how do we communicate it in a loving way? How do I overcome the fear of saying the wrong thing? The weight is real. And the stress is real. But I'm here to tell you this morning that the honor of the Gospel to you and through you to others is not a weight that you bear on your own. You're not asked to bear the weight of the Gospel on your own. If salvation, if the salvation of your personal influence was held on your shoulders, two things would happen. One of these two things would happen. And this is a very common one. Number one is you will crush others in your path. If the weight of the salvation of your influence is on your shoulders, you will crush others in your path. You will make it the most burdensome thing. And any, you know, all of us can think of ways that people have checked off the box of evangelism, screaming at others about, be saved, you know. Or every conversation that you ever have is, you know, force feeding somebody Jesus. And it's because you, it's, you feel the weight. You want to do the task that you have been asked to do. And so if you are shouldering the burden, you will crush other people. And if you don't crush others, if you're shouldering the burden, the other thing that will happen is that you will be crushed by the pressure. That it all hangs on you. It's not a possible thing to feel. Jesus only crushes our sin. But to the person, Jesus brings life and vitality and rest. And for most of us who are hearing the message of Jesus, the crushing of our sin is the crushing of our identity. And so there's a piece of ourself who dies with the crushing of our sin. But... God's disposition towards the sinner is always mercy and mercy and more mercy. And so, for you, the weight of the honor is not something that you bear on your own. Because in evangelism, Jesus' disposition to the one who speaks is also mercy and mercy and more mercy. And so, in this great honor, I want us to look at this passage in 2 Corinthians 4 that helps us frame what our partnership with God looks like. 
so that you can be released from the pressure, but you can also confidently take up the mantle of the call. That's the goal. That you can share Jesus without any pressure. 2 Corinthians 4, 1-6. through We're just going to walk verse by verse, and, and I'm going to talk about it. So let's start with verse 1. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. Now in the chapters before in 2 Corinthians, Paul had shared about the simplicity of the ministry that every believer had been given by Jesus. And he calls it in uh, chapter 3, and if you have a, uh, your Bible open, you can probably just look over and you see the little heading. It's the ministers of the new covenant. And this is just a fancy way to say the ministers of the gospel, the ministers of the good news of Jesus. And so um, he t- talks about this simplicity of the ministry that every person who believes believes has been given by God. And it's the ministry of the gospel. Um, and he talks about it here in verse 1 in a really amazing way that we see it's that the ministry of the gospel has been given to every believer by the mercy of God. And so here is where I see clearly that the gospel is given to us as an honor. It's the mercy of God that allows us to share the truth of Jesus. Um, now I want to just move on here to the second part of that, which is uh, because we've been given this ministry by the mercy of God we do not lose heart and so why would we lose heart why does Paul have to say that we don't lose heart well because we know that there are some who will reject the good news of Jesus and when we are rejected it's extremely easy to lose heart in what we're doing when we're rejected it's really easy to lose heart but Paul begins the passage by showing us why we don't lose heart at all in evangelism, regardless of outcomes. It's because the ministry was given to us by the mercy of God. And so if it was given to us by God, that means our evangelism is not in vain. And that's what Paul knows. We don't lose heart at rejection because we know that we're going to share Jesus no matter what. We're not attached to the outcome of the message. Paul and the believers were not going to let the outcome of the proclamation deter them from their mission. If someone rejected, they would just say, okay, and in love, move on. So here's verse 2. But, so we don't lose heart, but we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's Word, but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And so, Paul contrasts what our role is with what our role is not. What we should not be doing. And so, in our evangelism, what we should not be doing, if we're talking about Jesus, what we should not be doing is practicing cunning ways. We shouldn't be trying to trick people into a relationship with God. We shouldn't be trying to trick people 
into Christianity. And there are so many ways that that's played out in the church right now. We think that if we can just make the absolute perfect thing, the best production ever, someone's going to be tricked into a relationship with Jesus. We're going to make it palatable enough for them to say, okay, I'll be a Christian now. But that's not how it works. The heart of what Paul is saying is that Jesus does not need packaged in a certain way. He doesn't need gift wrapped. It's easy to try to figure out a way, a crafty way to share Jesus. And I've been in meetings where we've sat around and we've talked about how can we make this the most relatable thing. Guys, I'm here to tell you that the message of Jesus is that you are a sinner and without Him, without Him, you cannot be saved. So, I don't know how to package that in a more palatable way. It can't be. We're not supposed to be Jesus ninjas. We're not supposed to try Christian sneak attacks. You know, we're not, we're not tricking people. And I, I can tell you from experience with non-believers, they are always, always more receptive when they know that you're being honest. When they feel like you're not trying to trick them. And so instead of that, we are to have an open statement of truth about Jesus. An open statement of truth. And so he goes on to share why, why we have renounced these disgraceful ways. And let's read verses 3 and 4. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. We can renounce disgraceful ways of sharing the gospel because our perfect words would never remove the veil from the unbeliever. Now there's a lot of theology packed into these two verses. And if you have questions, I am free. I would love to talk to you about this because there is so much beauty in these two verses here. But it can be a little confusing and there's a little bit of weight there as well. So if you have questions, I can stick around after. You can send me an email and I would love to get together with you. But for now, what's important to know is that if the gospel is not received, it's because in that moment, their hearts and eyes were veiled to the glory of Jesus. And so what Paul is saying is that we do not lose heart in sharing the gospel, get this, because it is not your perfect words that save anyway. One of the biggest hindrances to evangelism is the thought that salvation hangs on you saying the exact right thing. That's crushing. I would absolutely lose heart if the salvation of my friends and family hung on me saying the exact right thing. I would lose heart. But what Paul is trying to bring in comfort is that it does not hang on your perfection. So don't stress about it. 
Don't stress about it. Feel the weight, but release the pressure. Feel the weight, but release the pressure. If you said the exact right thing, perfect, eloquent, thoughtful, and the soil of the heart was not ready, they will not receive the message. And so, don't stress about it. Feel the weight. Release the pressure. So what is our role? Because we know that the honor of the Gospel has the weight of the ministry that's attached. And so, we don't just sit back in passivity. So there's something we do, right? So let's look at verse 5. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. Our role? Proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord. There is simplicity and beauty in our role in evangelism. A 30-second conversation surrounding the Lordship of Jesus can be more effective than a 45-minute diatribe that you've packaged to make it sound perfect. And I think that's really important for our evangelism because anyone, anyone can share the Gospel. You don't need to have a theology degree to share the Gospel. You don't need to have years of church under your belt to share the Gospel. The simplicity of it is Jesus is the Lord of my life and Lord of all. Boom. In Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, there was a dispute about who uh, was the better speaker between Apollos and Paul. And we've shared this, this passage many times at Southside. And Paul was pretty fed up with the Corinthians because they were creating fights and dissension around two Christian leaders. And so what he writes to them is, I planted and Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. The pressure of saving everyone begins to dwindle when you're able to hold on to the fact that if you are proclaiming Jesus Christ as Lord, you are either a planter or a waterer. And I think one of the best pressure release vows for you is to know that you might be a planter and never know that that person comes to know to saving faith. And you might be a waterer it might be the, the 49th time this person has heard about Jesus and you didn't talk to him for the first 48. You are in cooperation with what God is already doing. And so it's sim- there's simplicity. Jesus is Lord and that's what we proclaim. Because it's not us who gets the growth. It's not us who saves. It's Jesus who saves. It's Jesus who sustains. It's Jesus who's worthy to be praised. It's Jesus who is Lord. And so what Paul's saying is, don't proclaim yourself. Because when you proclaim yourself, then someone might think they're saved through you, through your faith, through what you're doing. 
but we proclaim Jesus as Lord, and we, as our role as servants, make much of His name. And there's two ways we can do it. We can proclaim Jesus as Lord with our lives and with our lips. And there's a, a more in-depth thought here um, with Greg's message from last week. And there's, there's notes on that. But we proclaim Jesus with our lives and with our lips. First, we proclaim Him as Lord with our lives. Now, I want to say this. Jesus called Lord is the primary way that He's talked about in the New Testament. Lord is His identity. And this is extremely important for evangelism because Jesus as Lord means that He's the Master. It means that He owns everything. You know, you can go against the grain of your Master and He didn't lose anything that He's owned. You know, you can go against any Lord, but they still own what they own. And so, Jesus as Lord is saying He owns everything. And so to proclaim Jesus as Lord with our lives, it looks like submitting everything to Him in our lives. Your thoughts and your actions and your words and your desires are all submitted to Jesus. And who you are is linked to who Jesus is. And so the way that you proclaim Jesus as Lord with your life is that His Lordship shows up in everything that you do. What you do with your money shows people that Jesus is your Lord. What you do with your time shows people that Jesus is actually your Lord. What you do with your resources shows people that Jesus is actually your Lord. What you do with your relationships shows the world that you are a child of the Lord Jesus. All submitted to the Master. And when you are submitted to the Master, that's when people start to say, there's something different about that person. Their life is reflecting what they actually believe. And so we're not trying to be perfect, but it's on the journey of being perfected that everything in our life is submitted to Jesus. And He, as the Master and the owner of all, is allowed to determine what you do with everything you own. That's what it looks like. And then we proclaim Jesus with our lips. And I think this is the hindrance. This is the hardest one. How do we proclaim Him with our lips? And maintain integrity. And maintain our relationships. And not freak people out. And, you know, still have friends. Those are hard things. I have several suggestions from Scripture that you can implement today that I believe will maintain relationships if that person is not, as Paul says, an insolent opponent. If the person you're talking to is an insolent opponent, that's what Paul said about himself, I promise you it doesn't matter what you say. But if they aren't, I have some suggestions for you that will help. If you look back to 2 Corinthians 2, if you do have your Bibles open, and you look to verse 17, Paul says this, For we are not like so many peddlers of God's Word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God, in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. 
My first suggestion is be sincere. Be sincere. If God has shaken your life, has given you good, has expressed love to you in any way, the way to share that Jesus is Lord is to be sincere about that. Allow how God has moved in your life to shape how you talk about Him. You don't have to be fake. You don't have to make something up. Hey, I was dead in my transgressions. I was chasing. And it was a grasping after the wind. And God saved me. Boom. Be sincere. Number two, be gentle. 1 Peter 3.15 Always have a reason for the hope that you have in our Lord. Doing it with gentleness and respect. In Christianity, the number one, and this is wild to me, but the number one way to be countercultural in the church is to be a gentle person. So you're allowed to be gentle in your evangelism. You know, the message holds weight, but the person should be gentle. And the last suggestion is be honest. Be honest. That's what Paul's saying is in this uh, four verses five here. We proclaim Jesus as our Lord, and so we're being honest about who He is. He is the Lord. He is your hero. So we proclaim Him as Lord. And if you are sincere and gentle and honest, then you can walk away from any gospel conversation confident to know that you are either a planter or a waterer. And instead of losing heart, you can take heart to know that God is the one who gets the growth. And if God gets the growth, the pressure dissolves. And I want to finish with this. God's role, because this is the big kicker. What is God's role in this whole thing? Verse 6, For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. God is the one who illuminates. God is the one who shines. God is the one who saves. God's primary role in salvation is the saving part. And the light of the Gospel is shown through us in our cooperation with God. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in your heart. And so God's role is to turn the lights on. Here's the thing about light. Light expands. I've talked about this before, but everything that light touches immediately illuminates. Immediately illuminates. 
This is one of my favorite facts about light and humanity. The average human can see a candle lit for up to 1.6 miles away. Everything that light touches illuminates. I remember one time I was driving to Denver, and I've talked about this before, but I came from the east, and I drove my Honda Accord all the way from Worcester, Ohio to Denver, Colorado. Don't do it. (laughs) It's a long drive. I got to my cousin's house in Iowa, and that was 11 hours. So, just so you have an idea. Um, Denver is the city that's built into a mountain. And when you are on the east side of Colorado driving into Denver, it's this really flat land. And I, got, I was about to get to Denver right about dusk. The lights were on. And I came over this little crest of the horizon and I saw the entire city. And I thought to myself, I must be to Denver in like 10 minutes. I was 50 miles away. 50 miles away. Because the whole city is literally a city lit on a hill. And it's this amazing thought to me that when God illuminates and shines in your heart, you can be seen. Light has no other option but to shine. And so God's role is to do the heavy lifting of shining through you This is the amazing promise of cooperation in the partnership with evangelism that we learn from chapter 4. If you share Jesus, God will shine through you when you're taking the step of faith. That's the cooperation. That's the partnership. God is going to shine through you as you take the step of faith. Your heart doesn't shine on its own. It derives from the better light. Your heart shines because Jesus is the light of the world. And He's in you. And so God's role is to turn on the light. And He will. And you will shine as you step forth. So we don't lose heart. Because we know that the Gospel shared is not in vain. And the gospel received will never happen apart from God. So we're not crushed by the weight. We're comforted by the work. My role, our role, in conclusion, to share the gospel with sincerity, gentleness, and honesty. You don't have to be a Christian ninja anymore. God's role, to illuminate the heart of the unbeliever. If we focus on one, We're never going to share or we're going to crush people. But if we see them in duality, we can have sustained evangelism in our church. The knowledge of God doing the heavy lifting is the key to us boldly and confidently sharing with our life and our lips that Jesus is the Lord of all. So I want to pray, and the worship team can come up, I want to pray that in 2023, Three, we can get serious and we can release to God. Thank you for listening. Check out our website at southsideworcester.com.